Our Bible reading today comes from Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Thanks so much, Lynn and, and the team. And um, yeah, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you guys. And um, yeah, um, we've just finished a series recently on the church and what it means to be the people of God. We've been talking about the last few weeks and going through Ephesians and, and, and getting these bigger pictures of what it means to be God's building and God's body and bride. And, and there's other pictures as well in the, in the New Testament, the Bible around the people of God as well. Um, but it's interesting, right, because we've just been talking about kind of what we do as church and how church is about being a people and being together. But one thing we do as a people every week is, is we worship, and we've just been doing that. And, and we know worship is bigger than just the church service, but when we come together, we're coming to gather to worship, to put our attention on God, to give ourselves back to Him, and to, to praise Him, and to sing to Him. And people might find that pretty strange, right? Like, in, in some ways, in our day and age, it's a bit of a strange thing to do, to go to a building and worship a God. Like, it's a bit of a weird thing. Like, most people would think, well, that's just a religious thing. Like, religious people are into worship, and they go and worship 
whatever God they choose to worship, and that's for them. But kind of most people just get on with their life, and worship is not really a part of our lives. And we sort of put it in a religious category. But the interesting thing is, actually, worship is not a religious thing, or maybe it is in a sense, but it's something that actually is very human. We actually all worship. Um, I've actually got a quote for you. It's, it's not by a Christian. It's by a man. He's not a Christian, but he, he gave a famous speech where he talked about worship. He said this, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And his point is that, like, you may not believe in a God, but you can't choose not to worship something. Everybody as a human worships. And this is the idea of we make something ultimate in our lives. We make something a God in our lives. Um, some people, that's money. Some people, that's maybe their, their look. Some people, that's their career. And some people, it is uh, a God. And maybe it's a Christian God or it's another God. As people worship something. We actually don't have a choice about that. It's a human thing to make something ultimate, to put our confidence in something as ultimate, to trust something, and to give ourselves to it. And it's interesting. Again, he's not a Christian, but he goes on to talk about in the, in the speech, he says, well, we have to be careful what we worship, because if you worship the wrong thing, it will eat you alive effectively. If you worship money, you'll never have enough money. You'll always want more and more. If you worship looks and beauty, you will always feel unattractive and want to be more and more attractive. And actually, we have to be careful what we choose to worship. So actually, we all worship, but we have decided to worship the one who is worthy of worship and praise. We've decided to worship the one true God and come and we gather and we give ourselves to him and every day we honor him and we put our trust in him and worship him because he's actually worthy. The one creator God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is worthy of that place in humanity's hearts and lives because we were designed to worship him. And we also do this thing called praise, right? Like we were just doing it a lot. Like we were praising God. We were talking about praising God. We were talking about how great He is, how He's given us breath, and we want to praise Him. And again, we might think, well, that's a bit strange. Like, like why do we gather, and why do we sing songs, and why do we talk so much about praising God? Like, like we don't really think maybe we do that in other things, or maybe that's not a normal thing to do in life. And it's interesting because C.S. Lewis has a little chapter in a book um, where he writes a little chapter on praise and kind of talks about how he struggled with that idea. He struggled with the idea that we're supposed to praise God and that God tells us to praise Him. And in the Psalms, it says everyone keeps telling everyone to praise God. And he sort of struggled with it. Um, But then he kind of works through it a bit. And he actually started to realize, well, actually, kind of like worship, everyone worships, actually, everyone praises. Praising is actually a really natural human thing as well. I'll just read this out. It's a little bit long, um, but I think it'd be worth it. He says this, "The, the most obvious fact about praise whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. Like he was thinking God needs something, but he's like, well, God doesn't need anything. He says, I've never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game. He says, I had not... Notice either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. People say things like, isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmists, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable what we delight to do, 
what indeed we can't help doing about everything else we value. It's a bit wordy, but basically he's saying if we value something, if we love something, if we enjoy something, we praise it. Like, like you just do that. You can't help it. If you see an amazing movie, you tell people about it. And is there something missing if you're not allowed to tell people about it? Or if like you, 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 someone else hasn't seen it and you can't talk to them about it, you're like, you just want to be able to express it and enjoy it together. Actually, if we enjoy something, praising is actually almost the fulfillment of the enjoyment. And, and then if it's amazing, we want other people to praise it and value it as well. So we actually all praise, but we're choosing to praise the one who is truly worthy of praise, the, the most valuable one, the most prized one, the most amazing one, who actually the psalmist said, encouraging us to realize that actually he is the most enjoyable, he is the most amazing, he is the most valuable, and actually is worthy of unceasing eternal praise, is what we're going to look at. So we're kind of taking some time to think about this idea of worship and praise, and what we're going to do is just sit in this psalm um, that Lynn just read out, Psalm 145. It's towards the end of the book of Psalms. We're just going to look at it for the next five weeks, which is a while, but I think it's just worthy to go deep with who our God is and how He's worthy of our praise. So we're just going to look at the first bit today, um, but I'm just going to pray, and then we'll start to look back at that, that text that we had before. So, Father, we just thank you that we've been able to gather and, and worship and, and praise you. Um, as we just sung, you've given us breath. You've placed it in our lungs, and we pour out our praise to you. And we just ask that you'd be revealed to us through your word now. Lord, as we read this psalm of praise, uh, fill us with understanding of your greatness and your worth and your value, uh, that we can worship you and praise you from our hearts. Uh, I just pray your grace over this time. pray you'd speak to us by your word and by your spirit. Just honor you, Jesus, in this place. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at yeah, Psalm 145. If, you have, if you're not really familiar with it, I encourage you to start to look at it a bit over the next five weeks or so. We're actually going to, that's going to be the Bible reading for the next five weeks, the one we just had. We're just going to keep reading it again and again because it's just a powerful psalm that summarizes God's character and God's acts and God's goodness and reminds us of who he is. Um, just a couple of interesting kind of points about it. It's an acrostic psalm. Um, it was a few weeks ago, Barb was, was up leading worship, and she talked about an alphabet of praise, or just a cool thing to do could be to praise God through the alphabet and like think of things that start with A and think of things that start with B that you could praise God for. This is what this is. This is, a, this is the Hebrew alphabet. So there's only 22 letters, a few less. And, um, but each line is a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and David is picking something that starts with that and then praising God through that. Now, another interesting thing about this is um, if you read the book of Psalms at the start, it normally says a psalm or it says of David or something like this. This one's different and unique to all others. This is actually called a praise. Or your, your, verse, your Bible might say uh, a psalm of praise or a song of praise. The Hebrew word is a tehillah. It's a, it's a song of praise of David. It's actually the only psalm that's described that way, which is, which is really interesting. So it's like a song of praise to God by David. So I'm going to go through and just have a look and just pull out a few things from here as we go today. So this is the first few verses. It says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. 
So this is just the start. Like this is kind of the intro, and then we're going to unpack this in the next five weeks. We're going to unpack the different ways that David kind of calls us to praise those great things about him. Um, even in these few verses, there's different words that he's describing, right? He's saying extol. It's like lift high God's name, like exalt his name. We want to put him up in the high place, God and king. Then he says, I want to bless your name, which is a different word for praise. Again, this idea is bless has connotations of kneeling and bowing and thanking and adoring. So it's like we want to extol God and we want to kneel and bow and bless him forever. Then he says, every day I will bless I will bless you and praise your name. This word for praise is halal, kind of like linked to hallelujah. And this is like about celebrating and shining forth and, and, and making a boast about God, like making him big and, and, and expressing how great he is. So there's these different words. And then he comes to great is the Lord. And we use that word the Lord, but whenever you see in the Bible the Lord in capital letters in the Old Testament, it's God's name, the name that he revealed to Moses at the burning bush, that he is, I am who I am. He is Yahweh. That this is great is Yahweh. It's not just, he's not just a force, an absent God or a mysterious God. He's the God who's revealed himself to Moses, the God who's revealed himself to Abraham, the God who's worked in history. Great is Yahweh, Yahweh God, greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. It's like, um, Sometimes, you know, someone does something really awesome or you see something amazing and maybe they get some praise for it and you're like, nah, that's not enough. Like, like they need more. Like, like, they did something so great. Like, they need more recognition. They need more praise for that. Maybe it's a kid or something. They just do something really awesome and normally you just praise them for it. But now you're like, no, they need a reward. They need more praise. It's not adequate. This is saying, like, his greatness and his worth of praise our praise will never be adequate. <laughs> like, like, there will be always be more praise that could be given to you. We'd never ever say that, oh, we praise God enough. So like, like that's, that don't want don't to do too much more. It's like, no, he's greatly to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Uh, in the message, Eugene Peterson puts it this way, God is magnificent. Yahweh is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. So we're called to praise God. We come and praise Him for His greatness, which He's already been doing, right? We've already been singing that, that He is great, that people will see His greatness. And sometimes we use the word great really loosely, like like I do as well, but this is a weighty word, like like He is great and greatly to be praised. And and as we come to praise, one thing we can do is just, just reflect on that, that just sometimes we can maybe be too familiar with God or in, in our day and age, the word God, the idea of God doesn't carry weight. But, but in the scriptures, and we know in reality, like God is the most weighty. God, God carries in significant weight. He is, he is great. Um, I was in um, RI class this week just teaching kids, and they're starting to have some questions, which has been cool. And, and one of the questions this girl had was just, she, the, I can't remember exactly how she worded it, but she said something like, how, how do they hear us all? <laughs> like, like she's like, how does God and Jesus hear everybody? And my response was like, oh, I don't really know. Like, like, but I was like, well, they do. Like, when, when people pray all around the world, billions of people, God is attentive to each and every one all the time. And how does that work? Like, I've got no idea. And I basically said, well, I'm limited. Like, I'm here, and I can talk to two or three people or a group of people here, but I'm in limited time, space, energy, 
God is unlimited. God has limitless energy and time and attention, and He literally can be listening to everyone's prayers and fully attentive to each person in the world all at once, responding, working in their lives. He doesn't, he's not running out of time or energy. He's not tired at all. Like, how does that work? I don't know. That's, it's, he's God. Right? Like, like, He's incredibly great. And sometimes I think there's a danger, and sometimes we just want to figure God out. Like, like we want to get God in our head. And, and, and it's good to seek understanding. And we want to understand the Scriptures, but sometimes we, we want to get, it, get God down to a size where we can understand Him and we can fit Him in our head and we can work it out. And that's just, that's not a God. Like, if He's God, He won't fit in our head. He's up there and He's, like, we have to say, well, I don't know, but He's God, right? Like, He's great. How, how can He listen to everyone at once? I don't know. He's so much bigger than us. And actually, a better response is not just to get Him in our heads, but let Him be exalted and praise Him and enjoy Him and humble ourselves before Him. So if anyone deserves praise and honor and worship, it's Yahweh, it's God. And, and this psalm is saying not just a bit of praise and worship, but every day, forever, is what he's worthy of. Finding our joy in him as our God and king. So one thing to do, and this psalm is encouraging us to do, is actually meditate on his greatness. Meditate on his worth. Take time to just think about his nature and his character and let that stir us to recognize his greatness and honor him in praise. The psalm goes on, verses 4 to 5, 145, says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. This is, um, we'll just look at these couple and then we'll look at the next couple of verses, but they're very similar as well. David starts to talk about God's works, his mighty acts. And we see that God actually does stuff, right? Like, like our God works in history. He, he, he meets people and he speaks and he, he does things and generations experience that and hear about that and are to tell other generations about God's works. Again, God is not just a force. He's not absent. He's not just an idea. Our God is a God who acts in history, who actually does things with power and might, um, so one, and one of the main things that God does, and one of the Psalms declare and praise God for his works in creation, that he has done great works in creating this world. He's the one true creator, God. So everything we see actually reflects his work, his goodness, the good creation that he's made. Just read out another bits of some other Psalms. This is Psalm 19. Um, one to four, which talks about the, the creation praising God without even doing anything. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So saying, actually, if we just look around at the heavens and the, the skies, we look at the trees, we look at the birds, we look at the good creation God has made, it's actually all praising God all the time. It's it just by being present, it's declaring that God worked. God made this. God did it. He has might and power. Um, Psalm 104 also just talks about God's creation. It, it kind of mirrors Genesis 1 a bit and, and talks about... Um, 
God setting the earth on foundations and, and different aspects of that. And then uh, the psalmist in 104.24 says, How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. They're declaring God's works of creation. Again, similar in Psalm 111, verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. So you see, God works, and His works, we can praise Him for His works in creation, that He's created, um, which is just an amazing thing to ponder. Like, and on the one hand, it's like, yes, we know that, right? Like, God created everything. Yes, that's one of the basic things that we learn. But to meditate on that, to think about that, is, is profound, that everything we have, every good thing that we have, is a result of the works of this God. Like, everything started with His work, His creative work. Um, this life and everything we have is not a random chance. It's not just luck. It's a result of generosity, and it's a result of creativity of a bountiful, loving God who has power that He can speak and create a world and a universe. Like, that's who He is. That's what He's like. Um, so actually, everything that we have that is enjoyable and that is good, even basic things like we were singing before about breath, is a gift and a work of our God. Like when we have our food, it's a gift and a work of the sustaining presence of our God. Our lives, our earth, the creation, the things we love and enjoy are gifts from this creator, God. And we might say, well, no, like I, I work hard. Like I go to work and I get money and I, and I go to the shops and I get my own food and I look after myself. And yes, that's true, but the Bible would say, well, you can only do that because he's given you strength to do that. Like, that's a work of him who's strengthened you to be able to actually go and provide and work. So it all comes back to him and his work of generosity in creation. So we respond, and actually when we have good things from God, one response is just simply to say thank you, to, to bless him. Anything good we have, anything we appreciate, the life we have, the breath we have, we can worship and praise him for his goodness. And another thing, therefore, as we come to praise, one thing we can do is just meditate on his acts in creation. Actually look out at the, the, the trees, look out at the world, look out at the sky. Uh, just think about the space and the planets and recognize that they declare the works of God, that he is a mighty God who has worked to create. This Next part in Psalm 145 is very similar. Again, it's still talking about the works and the deeds of God. In verse 6, it says, They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. This is similar, and, and again, it's an acrostic poem, so it's kind of things are mirroring, and it, it's not so much a progression, it's more like he's just going through the alphabet, but this sort of theme around here is around the works of God, and we were just talking about praising God's works in creation, but, but you might say, well, sure, but there's lots of problems in the world, right? Like, we look at it, yes, there's a creation, and, and there's good things about it, but there's also death, and suffering, and evil, and pain, and, and sickness, and so how, how do we therefore praise God when he doesn't seem to work? He seems to have created it, but then there's all these problems. But we see that God is not just a God who works in creation. He, he also is a God who works, uh, does works of salvation. He does works of creating. And then when there's problems and issues and suffering and pain and, and, and the brokenness in the creation, 
God has worked in history to bring salvation. We have a God who does acts, mighty and wondrous works, awesome deeds, is how the Psalms describe Him. And it's that He's actually done things in history to rescue and to save. He enters in. Again, Psalms talks about this. Um, Psalm 66 says this in verse 5 and 6. Come and see what God has done, His awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in Him. You might be able to pick up what, what story that's talking about. That One of the core foundational stories of the Israelite people is that God rescued them from Egypt. He saved them from slavery. He, he, he got them out from under Pharaoh. Um, even as we just celebrated communion, which reflects the Passover meal that they had, that, that remembers that God acted in history to rescue his people from slavery. And when they were gone, but then they were facing this wall of water and the army is chasing them, he parted the water. He did this mighty work and they passed through and were saved. And then so many of the Psalms even go back and tell the story that, that God did that. God worked powerfully. He did awesome deeds to rescue us. Uh, it says this as well in Psalm 111, 6 and 9. He has shown his people the power of his works giving them the lands of other nations. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. So the Bible is full of God's acts in history to rescue, to restore, to make covenants, his promise to, to win us back to himself, to bring us back to himself, his patience with his people, and ultimately leading to his ultimate act of actually coming to earth himself. Uh, which we read in John 1, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. God does works of salvation. One of His greatest works is actually entering history. This is Yahweh in the flesh. The God who's at the burning bush, I am, standing in front of people, rescuing people, healing people, and, and Jesus did amazing, wondrous works, right? Like, we've just had storms this week. You just think about how crazy and powerful those storms. And Jesus is on a storm in a boat, and he says, quiet, and the storm stops. And, like, like he did that in history. We have record of it. His, his followers were there. They, they saw it, that Jesus can speak and still a raging sea and a, and a great storm. But his ultimate work, God's act of salvation in history, was making the way for true freedom, not just from the slavery in Egypt, but slavery to sin and to evil, and make a way for new creation through offering himself as the ultimate act of salvation. So we have a God who acts, and he actually acts, and his ultimate act is to give himself, to sacrifice himself in our place to free us, to buy our forgiveness and our salvation. Like that, That's who our God is, great creator God, who would humble himself and offer himself for us. And because of this, he, he is so worthy of praise and honor that he's that great, that he would be that humble and he'd be that generous that he'd create and that he'd also rescue sinful people. Um, in Revelation, there's these verses in chapter 5 just showing the worship of Jesus, the lamb who was slain, the just how worthy he is. I'll just read out a few verses. This is Revelation 5, 11 to 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne, the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. In verse 13, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. So he has done this ultimate act of salvation, and then God has exalted Jesus, and he is, he is worthy of praise for his great works of salvation throughout the story of Israel, and particularly in the work of Jesus in his death and resurrection to save. So we have a God who we can praise because of his great acts. Um, he's acted to save, and if we know him, it's because he's acted to save us. He, he's worked. He's worked to draw us. He's worked to reveal himself. Maybe that was really powerfully. Maybe, maybe it was subtle and quiet and, and sort of under the surface, but it's still his work. He's worked in our lives. So again, as we come to praise, we can meditate on the, the ways that he has saved throughout history, the ways that he's redeemed and rescued ultimately in the cross, but then also in our own lives. So you see, we have a great God who has worked and is working and is worthy of praise. We don't have a small God, we have a great God. We don't have a passive God, we have an active God. We don't have a God who's just worked in the past, we have a God who is working now, who works in the present. And when we are afraid and worried or going about life, it's easy to forget that. Right? Like it's, it's easy just to start to think, well, we've got to do it all. Like We've got to make it happen. Like, and then things go bad really quick because life is overwhelming and, and difficult and, and stressful. And maybe we start to think, well, God is in our actions. Maybe not, we wouldn't say it, but in the way that we are living, that we think that God is small and passive and worked in the past. Not that he's big and great and active and working right now. And when we remember through praise and we remember that actually, well, he's God and he's great and he's active and he's working, we don't have to be worried. We don't have to be afraid. We need to be aligned to him. We need to trust him. But actually, he's God. Like, we don't have to freak out. He actually says, don't be afraid. Jesus is sleeping in the storm. The disciples freak out. Jesus says, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Like, he's right there. And, and when we come to praise, sometimes all we need to do is just remember who he is. Just remember, actually, we have a great God. He's good, and he's working, and he's worthy. And what we're part of, like this psalm says, spans across generations. We're reading this praise of David. He wrote thousands of years ago, right? Like, it's just so amazing. I've just been thinking about it recently. It's amazing. We're reading texts that were written thousands of years ago that generations of people have, have preserved and copied and God has worked and, and through thousands of years. Like, and, and this same God has been working that whole time. And people, generations have commended to other generations have talked about, this is what God did in the past, this is what God's doing now, and pass it on to next generations. And that's what we're to do here. We're actually carrying it this generation, carrying God's and commending God's works, and to pass it on to the next generation. People maybe who are older can also just talk about the things that God has done in the past. Perhaps people, those who are younger generations can be declaring what God's doing now, and then will testify to what God does in the future. This actually is a genera- intergenerational praise of the God who is worthy. So the invitation for us is to unite with creation that's already praising God, 
and us as creation, we're created as well, we are, we are to unite and praise God. Um, we're to unite across generations and declare His works to another. We're to unite with angels in heaven and look to Him and praise Him and adore Him with thanksgiving. Remember, we, we can't choose not to worship. We can choose who we worship. He's the one who's worthy. We will naturally praise what we love and value, and He's the most valuable and the most precious. So we want to praise and worship Him. So we're going to do that now. We're going to sing um, and respond in praise. So I'm just going to pray. Um, I just invite you to stand. And maybe just take a moment just to kind of, yeah, just bring and ask God to come to the forefront of our mind and attention and just take what we've heard and just let it go into us a bit more. And even as we were singing before, that he's given us breath, even as we just take a breath and just recognize the gift even of that. say, great is Yahweh, is the Lord, is Jesus, and greatly to be praised, and your greatness, Lord, is unsearchable. I just want to declare that today. I just ask you to fill us with joy as we worship and praise you. Just ask that you be revealed more and more in our hearts and lives. Remind us um, of your greatness, your, your presence, your activity in our lives. And just grow us more and more as a people characterized by praise, even in difficulty, even in trouble. God, make us like David with a heart to praise you at all times. So just honor you and worship you, Jesus, in this place. Just pray this in your name. Amen.